Thank you. Happy bank holiday, one and all. <laughs> have you ever um, broken a promise? Confession time. You don't have to tell me the details. I haven't got time to go around. But you can just nod and agree in your own heart of hearts. Have you ever broken a promise um, to anyone? I have. Um, and I'm going to be open and completely honest with you um, today. I'm actually going to show you an image. I'm going to show you a picture um, on screen. I, I've got into this habit when I'm preaching of actually embarrassing myself. I think that's because I don't want to embarrass anyone else. Normally, it's Steph on the receiving end of my um, stray tongue. So I've decided to show you a picture of my childhood. If, if Jess, if you just flash it up onto the screen for me. That's me um, in the Cub Scouts. Um, now, I broke a promise. Because every, I think it was a Monday night or Friday night, whenever we met, I'd make this declaration. I promise that I will do my best. I've forgotten it. To do my duty <laughs> to God to, and to the Queen. To help other people and to keep the Cub Scout law. Has anyone ever, else ever made that declaration? If you've been part of the scouting movement, maybe a slight variation on the wording, but that's what I used to recite, and that's what I used to make a commitment to. I will do my best, but 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years later, I can honestly say that I, there have been times in my life where I have not done my best. Um, this is a, we're starting a series, a new series called Give God My Best. Now this phrase, this statement, Paul introduced on Vision Sunday way back at the end of January, beginning of February. Give God your best or give God my best. So as a Christian, that is our commitment. As a church, we're believing that we are endeavoring, in case you're wondering what the LED lights spell out without the vowels except for the E at the beginning, endeavor. Endeavor. We as a church are endeavoring to become a greater church. Now, the only way that's going to happen, it's not going to happen with greater music, with greater lights, with greater um, charismatic preachers. It's not going to happen with more facilities and more money. It's going to happen with greater people. So as a church, we are committing to giving God our best. Not just the scout law, though it's a great message. It's a great thing to do as a young person. But we, as a church, are committing to give God our best best. But there are times when I'm too tired. There are times when I just don't feel like giving God my best. In fact, I don't really feel like giving anyone my best. I'd rather just stay in bed. Um, there's times when, you, you, you've probably done this, playing with children, a sport or a game. If you were to do your best, that child would be humiliated, possibly injured, um, and they would probably hate you for the rest of their life. So sometimes you have to dumb down your best so that that child can enjoy the game or the sport. So there are times when I don't give my best, but maybe that is my best because I'm doing it with best intentions. But anyway, best is kind of changing as we speak. So there's no static best. This is the best that we're aspiring to because best can change because sometimes my best is to play really bad football so that a child can look good. Um... That's my excuse anyway, but I don't know if it's actual true. Um, so I don't think of it in a church contest. Sometimes, confession time, I don't give God my best. You know, sometimes I come to church and I've just like not thought about God. And I've just rocked up on a Sunday. We started singing praise and worship. You're like, oh yeah, we're praising God, aren't we? Yeah. Um, 
Sometimes I find it hard to read the Bible. Sometimes I find it hard to pray. I don't give my best in prayer. I don't read the Bible every day. I make these mistakes. I can be unkind to others. That's not really giving my best. Um, I can get distracted in church when I don't like the song. You know, it's not my favorite song, so I just think about what what I'm having for lunch. But is that really giving God my best? Is that really me? Like the songs we've been singing are about giving our all. Jesus gave his all. Am I really giving my all in praise and worship this morning? Is that something that I could honestly say that I am doing? So today I'm doing a bit of an introduction into best. What is best? How does best look? And then the following Sunday, somebody's going to talk about love, grow, and serve um, better than ever before. Love like I've never loved before. Grow like I've never grown before. Serve like I've never served before. So those are sort of specific practical outworkings. But I'm going to today introduce best as a concept because it's not easy to define. It's very difficult to even measure what is my best compared to your best. What was my best as a two-year-old compared to my best as a 30-year-old? My best is constantly changing. So hopefully, um, going back to football again, the footballer that I was as an eight-year-old, I don't know actually, now that I'm 30, Maybe when I was 20, maybe I was a better footballer than my eight-year-old self. Um, but the best changes. The, ball, the, the goalposts constantly change when it comes to our best. It can change in different circumstances. You could have been through some circumstances, some life issues that have helped you improve on how you approach a certain situation. So your best has become better. In certain pursuits, our best can decline. And that's not a bad thing. We get older, we get bored, we, we change as humans. So our best, giving our God our best and our, the outworking of our best isn't always the same. Do you agree or is it just me? Yeah, so it's a difficult concept to talk about, which is why I'm devoting the next half an hour talking about this word best. So hopefully you'll get a, gri- a grasp of it. And to prove a point from scripture, what I've just said about how difficult it is to measure, let me show you a scripture on screen um, from Luke 2. Um, is it two? No, Luke 21, sorry. Uh, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. So we've just done an offering. <laughs> don't worry, no, I wasn't watching. <laughs> I don't know who's rich. Um, anyway, then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small, measly, rusty coins. Who gave their best? You might, if you could measure it by cold hard facts and numerical data, say, well, the rich people gave their best because they gave more financially. But the passage goes on. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she Poor as she is, has given everything she has. What an amazing account. People were throwing in, I don't know what, let's just say £100 there, £1,000 there, gold ring there, jewellery there. But it was what they could afford. It was the, just a small portion of what they had in an abundance. But this woman had very, very little. This widow, she had no one to rely upon. She had no husband. She had no one that she could financially become dependent upon. She gave Every last bit of savings she'd got. She, 
by definition of what Jesus is talking about, she gave her best. So it is very difficult to measure our best by time. So somebody who's put the most effort into something is somebody that's given the most time to something isn't necessarily true. Somebody that spends their every waking hour at church isn't necessarily the the best person serving. Somebody could come every hour once a week and give their all and they are giving their best to God. It's not about numerical value. This is the concept that I'm trying to introduce. So our best is not measured by what comes out. It can only be measured by what is in, what goes in. It's not measured, in fact, let's, let's phrase it like this. Our best is not measured by how much we give, but how much we want to give. If you have a desire to give your all, but you may not have many riches, simply that desire suggests to me that you are giving your best. But if you have all the riches in the world, but you don't really care about who you're giving to, you are not giving your best. So, I've got two main scriptures that I'm going to be focusing on today to answer this question, how do we give God our best? So the first one, some of these you may be familiar with, it comes from Luke 10, and it goes as follows. We're introducing two characters, and both of these characters reappear. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, two names, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, in fact, I'm just going to pause there a second. This is not, the Bible doesn't give us the detail, but I could imagine the scenario. So um, Martha is working hard all on her own to make, prepare this amazing meal for, I don't know, there could have been up to 100 people in that one place. She's serving a banquet to people, and she's doing it on her own. Her sister is sat in the other room doing nothing. So it probably went a little bit like this. Do you ever do it when you you want to give a message to somebody, you want to tell them off, but you don't want to use words, so you use things like, Just, and if, you, if you're doing some tidying, you make a lot of clattering noise, like, and you make a lot of puffing and puffing, and you don't, you're not telling the person that they should be doing something that you are doing, but they're not. You give them the impression that you are a bit uptight about it. That's, that's probably what Martha was doing. She was giving it all this, clattering the pans in the kitchen, going, oh, bringing like the, the nibbles into the living room and saying, just, you know, that's how I see it. That's how I think it would have happened. If I was Martha, I probably would have done that to, make, to give a message. Why isn't anyone helping me? Um, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. In public, she scolds her sister. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, in a very grandfatherly voice, my dear Martha, You are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Answer the question, who gave their best? Martha was working her butt off for Jesus. Mary was seemingly doing very, very little. And Jesus commends Mary 
and says she's discovered her best. Whereas what you are doing, Martha, isn't the best. It completely turns upside down our view of church. It completely turns my view of, of how to be a good Christian, a good citizen, upside down. No longer am I required to slave away like a martyr for Jesus. It was a full house. It was possibly up to 100 people there. This is the house where Lazarus lived. They, brother, sister, Mary, Martha, brother, sister, sister, and Lazarus, who we hear about in a, later on, who was raised from the dead by Jesus, was living in the same house, the three of them. Um, probably, well, Jesus' friends. So Jesus was probably used to going to this house. But you, like me, might look at, my, uh, might look at Mary and say, what was she doing? Just sat there doing nothing when poor old Martha was doing her thing. I relate more to Martha than I do to Mary. I think if something needs doing, if somebody's coming around my house, we need to clean it. We need to make sure it's all set. We need to make sure everything's placed. Steph does most of it, but I at least pretend. <laughs> but what did, if Martha was doing what we thought was right, what did she actually get wrong? Jesus didn't condemn her. He gentlemanly like rebuked her and said, you've not discovered the best option here. She was, first of all, the key word, she was distracted if you have Jesus in your house, wouldn't you pay attention to Jesus as opposed to doing all the other stuff like cleaning the pots and setting the table and doing all these other things? Um, was she more worried about what her sister thought? Or was she more worried about what other, what other people thought? Where was her heart? She huffed and puffed, which revealed her heart that she wasn't there fully for Jesus. Her heart wasn't giving her best to God. She was giving her best to herself, and she complained about it. Okay, so four key points, and I'm running out of time, so I'm going to be as swift as I possibly can. There's four things to say from this, um, and then I'm going to introduce a second passage, which introduces the same characters, but a little bit later on. Um, so point one is about your best. How do we give our best? What is this best, this concept? Point one, your best comes from your heart. Martha served, but not wholeheartedly. She was distracted by tasks, and her focus was on other people and not Jesus. Sometimes we can do things for God, but not really do it with our heart for him. You could, I'm sure, you, like myself, you can think of occasions where you've done things and you've your heart's not be, really been in it. You've done it because you, your parents told you to do it. You did it because pastor told you to do it. You did it because your small group leader told you to do it. You did it because somebody else told you to do it, but your heart wasn't yet fully in it. A little bit like Martha. So ask yourself the question about serving. You know, serving in church, serving your community, serving your neighbors, serving your family, serving your children, serving whoever. Ask yourself this question. Do you serve out of duty to God or love for God? Is it coming from your heart? Because, get this, as good as serving is, and Jesus encourages to serve in other parts of the Bible, he, we as a, as a church and as people of God need to work hard. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful people, people who work hard, people who aggressively pursue the kingdom of God, people who serve in church and give up their time, give up their money, give up their energy, give up their life carry their own cross for Jesus. He wants that, but he doesn't want you to serve if you don't want to serve him. He doesn't accept your offering 
if you are not willing to give your offering. I know that sounds wrong for me. To, it may sound slightly wrong for me to say that after we've just, we've just received an offering. But he wants you to want to serve. He wants you to want him. Your best is all about, and the starting place has always got to be your heart. And if your heart isn't in it, you cannot give your best. You can give simply a portion of you, but you cannot give your all. It all comes from the heart. So that's the first lesson that we can learn about best. One out of four. Number one, your best comes from your heart. That is how you define your best. Number two, is your best, this is rhyme, um, rhyme, yeah, your best needs rest. Like an athlete. In fact, you could, I'm talking about giving God your best, but I guess you could apply these four principles that I'm talking about to any pursuit, particularly sport. You need, it needs to come from your heart, it needs to be something you, you want, but also it needs, you need to rest. You cannot continue at 100 miles an hour forever. You need time where you, like Mary, rest. In God. Spend time with Jesus and enjoy his presence. That's a key thing. We can serve all day. But if we're completely tired and completely absorbed and completely exhausted at the end of it, then what have we got to give tomorrow? But we need to go to Jesus on a daily basis to sit at his feet and allow him to restore us. Allow him to heal you. Allow him to give you hope. Allow him to restore your faith. Allow him to restore your strength. He wants to refresh you, teach you, forgive you, heal you, bless you, love you. It's part of your daily bread. We've been praying it all year. Give us this day our daily bread. How are we going to get that daily bread if we're distracted in the kitchen, clanging around with the pots and pans and doing our own thing when we need our daily bread, which Jesus offers to us on a plate? And he says, come and sit with me and receive from me. Drink from this water that you will, you will never be thirsty again if you drink that water. You will never be hungry again if you receive this daily bread. But we're distracted with Martha making a bacon sandwich for Jesus. I came up with this phrase. It wasn't really related to my preach, but I can link it. Um, we're called to work hard, for sure. Work hard, but rest harder. Because if you constantly work hard, that will cease. Rest, you need, to, you need to get things into you before you can give out. So work hard and rest harder. God wants you to work hard to serve your family, your community, and your church. But not at your own personal, physical, emotional, psychological self. Not at your expense. Like an athlete, athlete, you need to look after your body. You need to look after your spirit. You need to look after your soul. You need to look after yourself and your emotions and your relationships. And there are times, and perhaps as a hint daily, where we just need to sit at the feet of Jesus and just receive from him our daily bread. Receive the nourishment and the refreshment and not feel guilty about all the things on our to-do list that we're ignoring right now. We need to take time out of our day, whether it be at the beginning, the middle, or somewhere at the end, where we just simply stop. It could be for one minute. It could be for one hour. It could be for a whole afternoon. You could take a whole Sabbath day where you just stop, receive from Jesus all that you need. And the kitchen, the pots and pans, the serving in church, the ministry team, the, the ambition that you've got, the, the career, the dreams and ambitions that you have for your future, your children will still be there for you to go and serve. 
but you will be refreshed. You will receive rest, which I think is good. So two things. Your best comes from your heart. Your best needs rest. And to help me with the final two, I'm going to read another passage, which introduces or reintroduces to you two characters, which we've, which we've already talked about, Mary and... Well done, you've been listening. So in John 12, verse 1, it says, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the same place, the same house, the man he had raised from the dead. Previously, verses and, and a chapter before, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus raised him from the dead as a shadow, as a... Um, a taste of what was to come shortly after when Jesus himself would rise from the grave. A dinner, again, another dinner. They like cooking and they like hosting. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Of course it would. If you'd just risen someone from the dead, of course there'd be a celebration. Um, Martha served, again, and, Laz uh, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she, it's a good word, nard, and she anointed Jesus's feet with it. Sounds a bit disgusting this, but it's a beautiful moment. Wiping his feet with her hair. You can do that later with your husbands and wives and your friends. The house, as it would be, expensive nard, the house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot that the disciple who would soon betray him said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole for himself. Same house, same people, same Lazarus, same well, different circumstances, different occasion. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead, so it was a celebration. It was a party. Of course it would be. Martha was serving, and Jesus didn't comment on her serving. She was doing it, I assume, because she, after the previous lesson, she had learned to spend time with Jesus. She was now serving, not for herself, but I believe in this second account, she was now serving because she wanted to give her best for Jesus. Because of what she'd witnessed a chapter before, Lazarus, her brother, she thought he was gone. But Jesus rose him from the dead. And now Martha wants to serve and put on the best spread imaginable for her king, for her savior, for her Lord, Jesus, who's just raised her brother from the dead. All that is going on in this account, in this moment, is pointing towards Jesus, the, re the resurrection and the life. If we give our best to God, surely that's going to point towards Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Surely, if as a church and as Christians, as people of God, if we give our best to God, surely that is going to point to Jesus, the resurrection and the life. And puts on a celebration for him, for what he has done on that cross. So the third thing about best is this. Your best requires preparation. Now, I went for a run yesterday, and I'm a bit of a runner. I'm not too bad at the, at, at the thing. But yesterday, I decided, because um, it was raining in the morning, so I thought, that's a good time to go and get refreshed. I'll run in the rain. Um, so I got ready and, and, and started to go out. But as soon as I left the house, um, the sun came out, and it was absolute, just gorgeous, boiling hot sunshine. And I was going for 10 miles, and I'm not going to backtrack. If I'm, if I'm thinking I'm doing 10, I'm doing 10 miles, uphill, whatever. But what I'd not done not thought about my breakfast. I'd really had a very poor breakfast. I'd not even took any water with me. I was really, really unprepared. I'd not even warmed up, not even stretched. How 
how bad is that? And you reap what you sow. I, I managed to complete the 10 miles, but I, I was absolutely exhausted. I, was, I walked a lot of it. I really just almost gave up on life um, because I'm not prepared. <laughs> I'm not prepared um, for my Saturday morning run. I'm not prepared. So pre- preparation is key in any pursuit, let alone when we serve God. Um, so we talked in that passage about six days before the Passover. So as any grown adult would do, I googled Passover and preparation for Passover in the 21st century. So Jews still celebrate Passover. So according to Wikipedia, these are the things that somebody would do in preparation for Passover. So we're talking about preparation. These are the sort of things. Clean the house, especially the kitchen, of course. Burn and sell all your leavened bread products. So get rid of anything with yeast. Do your Passover shopping at least one week in advance. Invite all of your friends and family to your house. You need to buy in the, the, the hymn books and the song books as well if you're going to do something like that on Passover. Prepare the food, including all necessary symbolic items. And there are many symbolic items that you need to have on that table. Set the Passover table. Cook everything the day before. And then you're ready. Passover prepared for bish, bash, Bosh. <laughs> so there's a lot of preparation that simply went into this one meal, let alone the fact that it was a celebration meal for Jesus who had just raised Lazarus from the dead. So even more preparation. There was probably a lot of people there at this great occasion. A lot of pe- um, preparation had to take place. Martha, I imagine the key preparation for her after the previous account I've just read about. Her most important preparation. I'm just speculating. It doesn't say in the Bible. But Jesus doesn't say anything about her serving and working hard on this occasion. So I think after that lesson she learned where Martha was serving and Mary was sat at Jesus' feet. I could just see Martha clicking in and saying, oh, I need to do the same thing. If I want to serve Jesus, I need to love him. Sometimes before we do anything for God, we need to prepare ourselves to love him. And we need to remind ourselves of our first love, a little bit like I believe Martha would have done in this story. So serving is important if it's done with the right heart, heart and combined with rest. So what did Mary do to prepare? Her decision to pour perfume was not a spontaneous one. It's not like you you have something really expensive in your house, something that's cost a whole year's worth of work to, to pay for. This a um, jar of perfume would have cost a year's worth of wages. Imagine your year's salary just into one item. You don't just leave that in the house and think, oh, maybe one day I'll just use that. There was pre- preparation, I believe, involved in that. Somebody had put some thought into this and thought, one day we will use that for an occasion, possibly such as this one. She understood the significance of the event. Jesus had just raised Lazarus, and he was soon to raise his own life in the future. And the work and the effort that had gone into that jar of perfume was a year's worth of wages. So an incredible amount of preparation just into Martha's one act. And like Judas, this might be one occasion where you relate to Judas a little bit. Have you ever just read that passage and thought, yeah, I kind of agree with Judas. She just splashed a year's worth of wages at the feet of Jesus and wiped her hair all over his feet. Surely... You know, we could build a church with that money. Surely we could, we could invest into the community. Surely we could have given it to the poor. Surely I could have had it. Whatever. <laughs> I could think of a million reasons and things that we could do instead of just pouring it on someone's feet. But no, 
Mary understood the significance of this occasion and the significance of this act in preparation for what Jesus was about to do, which is the most significant event of our entire lives. Go to the cross for our sin. Mary knew what was going on. So what do we need to do? So here's some top tips. So if you're making notes, you can make some top tips about making this real, making this practical. Give God my best. Well, I'm going to give you four or five things that you could do to prepare yourself to give your best to God. And you can ask yourself the questions. Do I do this? Do I need to add this into my life? And if you don't like what I'm saying, you don't need to make the note and you can forget about it and have your lunch this afternoon. And you, you probably will anyway. So, <laughs> so top tip number one is why not prepare yourself for worship on a Sunday? So rather than just rocking up with your, the worries of your week, with, you know, blaring Radio 1 in the car on the way here, um, watching something, you know, on a Saturday night that could, whatever, you know, whatever it is on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning that kind of could, just take your focus off Jesus. Why don't you do something or one thing before you come to church on a Sunday just to focus your attention on him, to prepare yourself for an act of worship. It's not just a club that we're part of here on a Sunday. It's not just a thing we do on a Sunday and I know it's nice to go and gather. Why don't we prepare ourselves for a significant moment, an encounter with God? If we did that, then I believe we'd be giving our best to him. Why don't you actually plan your whole schedule around church? So rather than kind of having these day trips where, oh, I might go to church one day, why don't you church on a Sunday as a priority and mark that in your calendar or any, your small group. Mark it in your calendar and make that your priority. I'm going to plan and prepare to make that my thing and anything else comes second to that. That's part of preparing to give your best to God. What about um, plan your giving and budget, called budget accordingly? So rather than just giving what's in your pocket, rather than just giving what you've begrudgingly, what you've, you wanted to Spend on something else, but you know, I've got to give this in an offering now. I'm so, oh, why don't you prepare and plan and budget accordingly and start planning your giving in the future? That's something you could do to prepare to give your best to God. And why don't you discipline yourself by reading the Bible daily and recording your thoughts and your prayers in a journal? That's pre- preparation for your future. That's preparation for giving your best to God. So we've had... Where have we had? We've get, your best comes from your heart. Your best needs rest. Your best requires preparation. And finally, to conclude, and I'm going to sort of lead into, from this point into um, some praise and worship. We're going to sing the song. I think we're going to sing best for me. So it's a very appropriate song. So um, I'm going to just, um, Dave's going to come up and I'm going to conclude here. So we're nearly there if, you, if you're starting to think about your, t- your dinner. But the fourth, (laughs) I know I am. The fourth one is this. Your best carries a cost. Ask any athlete about the cost that they have given to give their best. Ask Mary the cost of that one act of worship with a year's worth of wages poured out at the feet of Jesus to prepare him for his death, burial, and resurrection. You know, Judas, part of me agrees with Judas, but the reason he said that is he wanted to steal. He probably would have kept the money for himself. You know, he sold Jesus for like a week's wages. So he, he, he was complaining about that, that, that act of worship. But don't be tempted to, to, to feel like Judas because he sold Jesus. He betrayed him for like a week's worth of wages, a small bag of coins. 
And sometimes, as Jesus said in that passage, the poor will always be with you. There'll always be need around you. There is always a charity to give to. There's always a ministry to support. There's always a community that needs help. But there are times when we need to give our all and our best to Jesus. And we need to sit at his feet. And behind the scenes in the kitchen, the world is going chaotic. Our heart is breaking for people in Manchester. Our heart is breaking for people in Egypt. Our heart is breaking for people in Syria. And we, we, we want to help over there. But we need to go here to where Jesus is to receive something from him, to pour out our all. We could give our all to a ministry. We could give our all to a charity. We could give our all to a need. But at this moment in time right now, I need to give my all to Jesus because he's only been getting a fraction of me. He's only been given a, getting a fragment of my devotion and my heart and my worship. You can go back to over here where there's a need once you've been restored and refreshed and rested in him. I um, remember an occasion um, I think it was my first job, my first proper job. I worked for Safeway. It's not even around now. Safeway, the supermarket. And um, I don't think I had a bank account. So I think my first monthly paycheck came in a, I think it was a check or a brown envelope, cash. And I was, you know, I planned all the things that I was going to spend that money on. I planned all the the ways in which I could spend that 200 pounds or whatever it was (laughs) for a month's worth of work. And I just, I even thought about tithing. I got, oh, I can, I can tithe now. Awesome, 10%. And I, I picked that, opened that package up. And something in me, whether it was God or whether it was me, I think it was God, just said, Ben, why don't you give it all to me? And I thought, well, but, but God, I just wanted to buy some stuff with this. And at that young age, I didn't have a bank account. I didn't really know how you would do it. Or like, do I just put the check in the offering? Or I had to go to the bank and, and sorry, it was a building society. I had to go to the building society and, and give the money in. Then say, can I have it back? And they looked at me funny. And then I took that to the church on Sunday and I put it in the offering. And I felt embarrassed. But I felt that that one moment was a significant moment for me personally. Because it was one, one occasion where I felt like I could give my all to God. It was a sacrificial at the end of the day, my parents supported me. That money was a bonus. That money was pocket money. I didn't even need that money. But I decided to give it. Sometimes we need to do outrageous things to show our love for God. Because we, we love it when we see outrageous proposals. People showing their undying love for a, uh, their, their fiancé or their future partner. And we love those kind of crazy acts. But as a Christian, like, like Mary, perhaps what we could do is give our all and our everything to Jesus. Not every day. Not every day. Just on occasions. Just on the odd occasion, we are called to carry a cost for giving our best. I'm going to invite the band to come. Thank you, guys. We're going to sing. We're going to sing best for me. Um, and just to finish, I'm just going to... Um, dip into the Old Testament just for a second. King David, we looked, Paul has been looking at King David over the last few weeks. Um, and there's, an, there's a situation where David sinned because, he sinned a few times, but he sinned because he, t- he, t- he took a census and that wasn't what God wanted. <laughs> um, so God asked him as, as sort of, in, in terms of forgiveness for that, to build an altar. And that altar, the location for building that altar was on someone else's land, someone else's 
threshing for. So David went up to that person and said, can I buy your land so I can build this altar? And the, and the guy said, no, whoa, 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 you have it for free. If this is for God, you have it for free. And David said, no, I'm not going to give an offering if it's not cost me anything. And perhaps as Christians, if we are to give God our best, we have to be aware that there are things that we need to do that cost us something. We need to make a sacrifice. And perhaps the first thing that we can do is make a sacrifice in praise. So shall we get to our feet? I'm going to pray to conclude, and then we're going to sing a song. Um, And when we sing this song, we're not just singing a song, because it's what we do after a preach. But Jesus on the cross gave his best. He gave his all. And the least I can do when I sing, the least I can do when I come to church, the least I can do when I serve my family, the least I can do on Monday when I go to work, the least I can do is give my best. So maybe this morning some of you just need to be that little bit more extravagant. Maybe you've been storing up a year's worth of wages, a year's worth of praise, a year's worth of expensive perfume. And right now you need to just break that jar and pour it at the feet of Jesus. So let's pray and we'll praise um, as, I, as I conclude the prayer. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us and you died for us, that you came back to life so that we could live. And Lord, we choose on this day, God, as we do daily, to give you our best. And Lord, I pray right now, God, that people in this room would would do what they do, but out of a heart for doing it, God, and out of of a heart for love. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that needs to rest in you, God. They are dry, and they need something. They need refreshment. They need rest. They need restoring, God. I pray right now in this song, in this moment, Lord God, that they will be restored and refreshed in the name of Jesus. Lord God, for people in the room, God, that we would make decisions to help prepare our hearts for our future and to make sure that we give our best in the future and Lord for some of us in this room God as we make a decision right now God give us ideas Lord lay something on our hearts something that we need to do to practically give our best even if it costs us our everything so Lord as we sing right now we choose to give our best for you in your name amen